Welcome to Theosophia, a podcast for women's voices in theology. I'm your host, Sarah Elizabeth Smith, and today I'm with one of my really dear friends, Caroline Leitner. She's a nurse practitioner in the state of Washington. She received a dual degree in nursing and theology from Vanderbilt University. She's also an Episcopalian and has gone through a large portion of the ordination process, but has put that part of her path on hold to, to pursue her career in healthcare. Caroline is insanely smart and an absolute delight of a person to be around. We discuss her religious upbringing in the church, her path to divinity school and nursing school, and we begin to chat about how theology informs her nursing practice. Here's Caroline. Caroline, thank you so much for hanging You're out welcome. with me. I'm so I'm, excited. I am too. So you were born and raised in Seattle. I was not. What? You were born and raised in Oklahoma? I was in Tulsa. Oh, why did you go to Seattle? Um, so my grandmother's best friend had uh, actually two grandchildren who went to Seattle U. Um, her oldest grandson was there while I was searching for schools and I was searching for a smaller liberal arts school with um, an honors program. So like the kind of honors program where they go through like kind of quote unquote, the great texts of the Western world type of thing. Um, And I can't really speak to why I had that mindset because I don't remember. Um, but that's kind of what I was looking for with a lot of focus on social justice, community service. Um, and I had looked at a couple schools on the East Coast. Um, I was also in process of applying to the University of Tulsa as my backup school, which is an excellent school. Mm-hmm. And um, I had at the time, both my mom's sisters were living out uh, in the Pacific Northwest, one in okay. Portland and one in Tacoma. So we had been out there quite a bit to visit. And so one day my, um, my, well, she's kind of my quote unquote grandmother by informal adoption. Her name is Aldine. Um, and so she just marches on in with the Princeton review that it's like the phone book size. Right. And she's like, here, you have to read about this school that I've been telling you about for a year. So I, read about the you know the two pages about Seattle U and looked at my mom and I was like yep this is exactly what I was looking for (laughs) um you know a small liberal school where I wouldn't be a number like liberal arts school wouldn't be a number um lots of social justice work community service opportunities in the middle of a big city um honors program it even mentioned that there was a triangle club which is the lgbt affinity group um lots of student organizations really low teacher to student ratio which is what i was looking for Uh um so i applied i got in um i was invited to apply for the honors program i applied i got in um i also applied to um University of Puget Sound, which is in Tacoma, uh-huh. um, applied, got in. 
So, um, but Seattle U is really it. Um, it's also an arboretum in the middle of um, what's called Pill Hill. It's in between two Swedish campuses and Swedish hospital campuses in Virginia Mason Hospital, as well as the Gaber, the big, big Gaberhood in Seattle. Um, so it's in the middle of a really busy area of Seattle, um, and it's very quiet, beautifully landscaped, all organic. Um, so I just fell in love. And the Jesuits run it. So and the Jesuits run it. You can't go wrong. No, you can, you just like it's 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 ideal. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. So we yeah. met we met at Vanderbilt where you were getting two degrees at once. That's right. You were doing your Masters of Divinity because you were thinking about ordination in the Episcopal Church. That's right. And also your your MSN. Right. Masters of Science in Nursing. Yeah, which I just thought was outrageously insane. Like, who would want to yeah. do that? Uh, just me. I'm so... That's, like, that's the majority of what I want to talk about this first okay. episode. Like, yeah. I think it's fascinating that you've paired those two things together I think it makes a lot of sense and I I want you to articulate that and how that that makes sense um so you grew up in Oklahoma and that's how we connected yeah was we're wearing an Oklahoma shirt yeah was that it I must have yeah in class because you were a a year ahead of me in school so I didn't really know you yet yeah but we had a class together and you were like, Ethics. yeah. And you were like, Hey, are you from Oklahoma? And I was like, hell yeah. And you were like, me too. And then it just, it started uh, from there. Yeah. Cause who randomly goes to Vanderbilt and is from Oklahoma? Like that's right. Exactly. Very not, few. Yeah. So I feel like we're the only two in probably a long time. Yeah. Um, but what's also cool about you, I wanted to note real quick, is that you were the Episcopal Seminarian uh, for two years at St. Anne's Episcopal Church in Nashville. Just one year, Sarah. Was it one year? Oh. Yeah, it was a one year for field education. Okay, I did yeah. it for two years because that was my grant was for uh-huh. two years. But so that was a really cool connection that you were Episcopalian and I... I they were talking about when I got that Arcus grant to put me at the church that you were already at. Right. So you were kind of, you know, took me under your wing and like <laughs> showed me the Episcopal way. And I was like, this is awesome. Is this yeah. your life all the time? And you're like, yes. Come yeah, and pretty hang much. Out. So I'm so thankful for you and our friendship because you really were the first door into the Episcopal church for me. And so it's been a very healing, awesome process being a part of a church again. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I really appreciate knowing that. Yeah. And what were, did you grow, you didn't grow up Episcopalian, right? No, I didn't. I was actually raised United Methodist. That's right. Um, so my, what's funny is my dad was baptized Catholic. Um, and later his parents became United Methodist and he did by kind of default. And then my mom was raised by a Southern Baptist and an Episcopalian. 
so they kind of settled on whatever mainline church was in whatever small town they were living in at the time. Right. Um, but when my parents met, they actually met at United Methodist Church Camp. They met at Canyon Camp in Western Oklahoma. <laughs> and then like six or nine months later, they re-met at Camp Egan in Tahlequah, outside of Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Uh-huh. Um, so they actually attribute their like first meeting, quote unquote, like real meeting to Camp Egan, um, <laughs> which makes me really happy because I spent a lot of time at Camp Egan as a, as a kid. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm that like church nerd who I'm like, oh, my parents met at church camp, <laughs> um, which is true. Um, so yeah, so like we were those people who like, um, I went to youth group, I went to Sunday school, I was in children's choir, I sang in the choir, um, I helped out with vacation Bible school, I was a church camp counselor, um, I went to church camp, my dad was on finance, trustees, he was district lay leader, um, my mom was on the worship committee. She baked the communion bread. I know how to fill those um, trays with the little plastic communion cups like a pro. <laughs> um, you know, at one point, all four of us sang in the choir for a while. Um, my brother sang in the choir for a long time. Um, I mean, we were always at church and I grew up in the church and I loved it. Um, yeah. And I was also encouraged to think for myself in the church and ask questions and that was encouraged it was not ever like to my knowledge it was not ever frowned upon or dissuaded um I was actually on the worship committee in high school um which was it was really difficult for me it was challenging um um and I actually left um, senior high youth Sunday school, um, because I didn't like the curriculum. And of course, I, I think I gave the youth director like a small, you know, like a, a TIA or something like some small, you know, health problem. Cause she couldn't figure out why I had rejected. They, I think they were doing like the seven habits of highly affected youth by Dr. Phil McGrath's son Uh in Sunday school. And I told my parents, I was like, I'm not going to like it. I'm, I'm not going to like it. I don't want to go. And they said, well, you need to go once. Because um, it's along the same lines of you have to try everything on your plate once, um, which is also their philosophy. And I went once and I said, nope, I'm not doing it. I told you. And so they said, okay, pick another Sunday school class. Because, of course, I wasn't, this wasn't the get out of jail free card. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up going, um, to the Sunday school class that was taught by our associate pastor who my parents had requested be my confirmation sponsor several years before, because she could quote unquote answer my questions. Um, and I was the youngest person in that class by 50 years. Wow. And we were reading Marcus Borg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was reading the Bible again for the first time. And I think I still have the book. Yeah. So, um, and I loved it. And the youth director could not figure it out. Mm. Um, but that was life changing. And I like, it was totally encouraged. It was like, yeah, you can totally do that. 
um, you can absolutely ask these questions and be in the Sunday school class and that is completely okay. Um, and uh, we were also involved in a group called, that's now called Mainstream United Methodist, but at that point was like Progressive United Methodist or something like that. And they got together at a church camp, a designated church camp in, um, in Oklahoma once or twice a year and basically had retreats about asking questions, being progressive people of faith and having fun. And so my whole family would go um it was it was pretty phenomenal uh -huh. so um I got to college uh, became a member of United Methodist Church out here because I knew that well the church at home really went south and um really was kind of detrimental for my parents um and then kind of at the end of college after college when I moved back in with my parents because my parents now live out here um, uh, I realized that there was this nudge on my shoulder that I needed to listen closer to about um, serving the church, about ministry that I had kind of heard but ignored a little bit when I was in when high school and very heavily involved in the church. Um, I mean, I was on the worship committee at that church too, the at First Methodist Tacoma. Um, and I preached a couple times and I was really kind of feeling this very intense call to ministry. And um, it, it was really incredible. And I thought, well, if I want to be ordained, I can't do it in the United Methodist Church because the UMC is not ordaining LGBT, LGBT people. Uh -huh. I wasn't out at that point. Um, but um, I had always been and have always been an advocate and an ally of the LGBT community and in the ensuing years would come out. So I knew that I had to leave the United Methodist Church if I wanted to be ordained. Um, that church was also starting to run into financial issues and was also starting to investigate having a quote unquote contemporary worship service. And I can't do contemporary worship. Um, it makes me, makes my teeth sit on edge. Um, it uh -huh. reminds me of the folks in Oklahoma who told me I was going to hell for the, for what I believed. Right. Um, so I can't do it. So I sat down with the pastor um, and at this point, my mom and I had regularly started going to the Episcopal church up the street, um, more on that in a second. And so I sat down with the pastor and I said, here's what's going on. Here's, you know, kind of the developments over the last couple of months. Here's this, this, and this, and this is why. And he said, that makes a lot of sense. I understand. Um, you were a great loss. Um, but it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, let me know how I could be helpful. Uh -huh. um, you know, this is a man who the DS office in the building and had under the table, under the table, totally approved of the same sex unions that were going on in the building done by the pastor. So, I mean, totally different United Methodist church than you would see in Oklahoma. Right. Even now. So, um, so that was, that was difficult to leave. Um, 
but so the I guess the backstory on becoming Episcopalian is that my grandmother became Episcopalian in her 20s, uh, my mom's mom, and um, we would go with her on occasion when I was very young. Um, she passed away when I was six, um, and my mom would go on occasion after she passed away, and my mom would take me with her, and then we'd meet my dad and my brother at our United Methodist Church. Um, so I was sort of kind of partially raised Episcopal. And the other thing is I was raised knowing that the book of common prayer contains everything you need in case you need a prayer. Hmm. Um, which I mean, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I was also raised with the book of common prayer and I, and when I graduated from high school, my parents asked me what I wanted as a gift. And I said, well, I need a United Methodist hymnal and I need the book of common prayer. <laughs> that's, that's all I wanted. They said, they said, and, and I said, well, that's all I need. Um, that's all I want. So that's what I got. I have a BCP with my name on it and I mm. have a United Methodist hymnal with my name on it. Um, cause of course that's what every, you know, eight, 17 year old needs when they graduate from high school. Um, so your parents gave you a book of common prayer and a Methodist hymnal for graduation. Yep. And get this, they were like, well, would you like your name on them? And I was like, I would love that. So we went to Cokesbury and they put my name on them. Oh. Back when Cokesbury was a brick and mortar store. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So I got exactly what I wanted. So... When did you decide to apply for the MDiv? And mm. did, and did you apply for the nursing job or the nursing degree at the same time? And why nursing for you? Okay, so I have been I have wanted to be some sort of medical professional since I was eight. Um. So, um. Started telling people I wanted to be a doctor. It's gone through various iterations of specialties and ideas. Um, my mom went to nurse practitioner school when I was in college. She also went to Vanderbilt. And um, she did it as a distance student. So Vanderbilt's program allows you to stay at home, go to school online, and go to Nashville once a month or once every four to six weeks for about a week. Mm -hmm. um, so she did that while my brother was a senior in high school and I was a junior in college. Um, and really, she really loved it. Um, she will talk you into Vanderbilt any day of the week. Um, <laughs> Your mom's a badass, too. My mom's a badass. <laughs> um, pretty much. And uh, so she totally loved it. I got a lot of experience. You know, I got a lot of firsthand knowledge of the Vandy Nursing Program. I actually flew out from Tulsa because I was in Tulsa that summer that she was in nursing school. And she was out here living with my aunt and uncle in Tacoma, doing um, a clinical in Tacoma um, to get experience out there, out here, actually. So I flew to Nashville from Tulsa and hung out with her for a week while she was on block um, that summer in between my junior and senior years of college. So, you know, I knew some of the professors going in um, and all that kind of stuff. So um, it was really cool. Um 
And so I knew kind of what that looked like. Um, I knew I didn't want to be, quote unquote, a nurse because I knew I had too much attitude and I would disagree with orders and blah, 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 blah. Well, the thing is, it turns out that's exactly what you need to be a nurse um, (laughs) because (laughs) as it turns out, the nurses know way more than anyone else. And you have to have that kind of attitude to be a nurse Mm -hmm. because they are the last line before a patient error happens mm-hmm. um, or before an adverse event happens. Um, and so I actually have the exact right personality to be a nurse. Um, but I don't want to, I'm not interested in working um, in a hospital. Uh, the other thing is that through my mom, I learned about the nurse practitioner model. Um, I mean, I had met nurse practitioners and physician assistants. So I, I learned about those models, the nursing approach to being a provider appeals to me much more than the medical than the medical model Mm -hmm. um I like it a lot more because you start as a nurse first um and that really makes it it makes an impact on how I view patients Mm -hmm. um and I really I really treasure that um so and the I guess the other part was um I saw my best friend from childhood go through medical school Um, and how intense it was. And um, I have chronic health problems, and with chronic health problems comes a perspective of what can my body truly do? What can I ask of my body? Um, Can my body make it through this? Mm -hmm. Um, And is it fair to ask myself to do this? Um, And will I be able to function through this program and will I make it out on the other side well enough to be able to then use my skills um, and serve other people mm-hmm. um, so all of those kind of had to go into it as well um, and I think you know I was still really pretty set on it um, after college um, even though I was not I was not terribly healthy, um, and I did. I had done a year of graduate school prerequisites, really aimed toward um, osteopathic medical school. So to to be a, D, a doctor of osteopathy, a DO, mm-hmm. um, with the same privileges and rights as an MD, um, but a, a slightly different style of learning. Um, and I was quite involved with that Methodist, the United Methodist Church in Tacoma. Um, I was playing bells and doing some singing in the choir and I was on the worship committee and they had needed um, to fill, to do some pulpit supply for the summer when our pastor was going to be away. And something in me just like bubbled up and said, well, can anyone do pulpit supply? Like, can it be a lay person? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't know. I still don't know where it came from. It was just mm-hmm. like, um, and they said, well, yeah. I said, can I do it? <laughs> and they said, well, yeah. <laughs> and I said, okay, I would like to do that. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? Like, I didn't even question myself. I was yeah. just like, yeah, I'll do that. Wow. So, um, and the sermon just kind of came pouring out of me. Um, it was actually during annual conference uh, that he needed pulpit supply because of how they do annual conference out here. Um, and 
they uh and they you know the church was very excited um and I actually went to ordination the night before because I knew someone who was being ordained and uh my pastor was really excited he's like well you know conference is very excited that you're preaching and I'm like really nobody in this conference knows me (laughs) um but anyway yeah somebody I knew was being ordained so I went and um I love ordination and uh so yeah so and the sermon just like poured out of me I don't I barely remember writing it um and you know, halfway through the sermon, there's light pouring in the sanctuary. And all of a sudden I heard, this is your way. Walk in it. I, you know, I didn't stop speaking, but I heard it in that. And I had heard it before. I had heard it in a field, in a brightly lit field with my eyes closed at church camp Hmm. in a circle of campers. This is your way. Walk in it. Mm. And I was like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I, I'm listening this time. I haven't just heard. I will listen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was Father's Day. Um, we went out for lunch. And my mom, you know, we're, we're, we're talking through everything. Uh, my mom looks at me and she said, Caroline, I think Vanderbilt has a dual degree program. She didn't say in what, she didn't <laughs> specify, um, but I said, yeah, I think they do. So that afternoon, we went home from lunch, and I turned my computer on, and I looked at the dual nursing MDiv programs, because mm-hmm. um, I was like, I listened this time, okay? I listened this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, I looked at MD, MDiv. There's, of course, no DO, MDiv, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at MD, MDiv, and I was like, I really don't want to go to MD school. I've never wanted to go to MD school. Mm-hmm. Not that MDs haven't saved my life and continue to save my life, um, but I don't like the MD model. Um, however, Vanderbilt's medical school, amazing. Love their curriculum. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, there's no DOM div. Um, so I looked at MDM div. I looked at MSN div. Um, and there's three. Well, in 2011, when I, I guess it was 2010 when I looked at them. Um, when I was researching, there were three programs in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, one was at Yale. One was Chicago Loyola. And one was Vandy. I mean, Vandy, I had the most experience with the nursing side. And that's what I was most concerned about. Because mm-hmm. I knew that was probably where I was going to make the money to pay off the loans. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chicago Loyola's program was undergoing curriculum revision, which made me really skeptical. Um, and I did not like the overall kind of ethos on the Yale nursing schools website. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I read, read the Vanderbilt divinity schools commitments and the div school website. And I was like, Oh, they knew I was coming. (laughs) That's literally all the reading I did about div school because Mm -hmm. I knew I had to go. Yeah. And that like, that was the the beginning and end of it. Mm -hmm. So until the day I showed up at div school, 
I literally did not know what I was in for, mm-hmm. um, which is probably for the best because <laughs> I probably would have chickened out. Um, I, I really probably would have. Um, then I wouldn't be who I am today. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I, so yes. Yeah, so to get into the dual degree program at Vandy, you have to apply to both schools in the same year mm-hmm. and get accepted to both of them. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's at least my, that was my understanding when I applied, it may have changed. Um, and I know that there's, at least when I left Vandy Div, there was at least one person who was at the Div school and was going to be applying to the nursing school, um, to kind of do them in tandem. And I don't know if that was going to work out for them or not. Um, but they were thinking about it. I have also talked to several people, who have done the DIV program or are in process of finishing it and are then considering going to nursing school. And I have a friend who I, who I met in DIV school who I think took a year off and then went to nursing school. So, mm-hmm. um, and there's, um, do you know Ali Sevilla de Coco? Uh, she, she goes to St. A's. She went to div school multiple years ago. And then when I was in, when I started my first year of div school was her first year of nursing school. And she's now a midwife. Um, so I know quite a few people who have done that. Um, and of course they all end up talking to me because I was that point of reference for people. Um, and I was the div school's point of reference and I may continue to be, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and I had a conversation my third year of divinity, my, no, my second year of nursing school with the person who was the program director for that pro for my program, which there's not a program director for it anymore. Um, he was the only one. He's now a dean at NYU nursing. He has a doctorate in nursing and a master's in divinity, um, he identifies as gay and he's an Episcopal priest. Whoa. Yeah. He's amazing. He taught my mom, um, pharmacology. So, you know, um, yeah, he's great. Um, and so, um, Vicki Matson actually put me in touch with him, um, mm-hmm. as part of like putting together my field ed project, mm-hmm. um, that was my nursing clinical, um, which probably plays into our, the second part of our podcast. Mm-hmm. And so we had a wonderful, we had an incredible conversation. He was actually, I think, in the Atlanta airport. And I was actually at my aunt's house in Edmond, um, just of all random places. But we finally had the time to have a phone conversation. And it was, it was incredible. And one of the things that um, Jim said to me was that, from what he knew of his memory, he, I am the only person who completed the program the way that it's laid out in the curriculum. Because mm. a lot of people have done both degrees, but not sequentially. Mm-hmm. Like all at once, like I did. Right. So I got my acceptance letters to Vanderbilt on the same day. Um, I was studying for, I was actually in statistics. Um, at Tacoma Community College doing, and the professor was doing a test review because we had a test the next class period. Mm -hmm. And I had one of those old school flip phones because it was 2011. Mm 
um yeah right and um and I was a poor community college student and my mom texted you got into both (laughs) and of course my parents opened the letters um and then I called them as soon as I got out of stats and they told me what that I had gotten a scholarship to div school um because, of course, that's in your acceptance letter. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that Div School pays for so much tuition because mm-hmm. I hadn't gotten that far on the website. So I was just bowled over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I did was I stayed at TCC for another – at Community College for another two hours because I had a staff meeting. Because I was a TA for general chemistry. And I was like – well, I can't go home and celebrate with my parents. I have a staff meeting. <laughs> and my boss was like, why are you still here? You just got into graduate school twice. <laughs> and I was like, but we had a staff meeting. Because, you know, typical me. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's how it happened. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yes, you do have to. My understanding, at least, is you have to apply to both, get accepted in the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that you get, you always get the acceptance letters on the same day, but that, that was pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, to kind of wrap up this section. Yeah. What, what made you be so interested in theology in your faith? Mm. Cause it started as a young kid, like it did for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's a thread throughout your life, but what, mm-hmm. what was it? for you that made it connect so much with your soul? It unravels the tangled places Mm. in my soul and helps me answer those deep questions that nothing else in life can answer. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a person who's always been interested in medicine and the medical professions, theology and the divine take over at those sacred edges where, to use hospice terminology, the veil is very thin um, and the ground is very sacred. Because to be perfectly honest, there are things that happen in human bodies and in body processes that I don't think that science or medicine will ever be able to explain. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned that in ninth grade when my mom was in school and she had an embryology textbook. Embryology is the study of the human embryo as it develops in the uterus. And one of the things that I, I read it from cover to cover and um, I was fascinated. And one of the things that I learned is that very, very early on, um, probably like seven to 10 weeks of embryonic to fetal development, the intestines and the stomach and the liver are too big as they develop for the stu- for the abdomen. Um, there's not enough abdomen for the guts. 
So the guts emerge into the umbilical cord to develop because the umbilical cord can, can stretch. They rotate 90 degrees, can finish developing, rotate 360 degrees, and shloop, go back into the abdomen. Mm. And this happens appropriately in 98, 99% of the human beings who are born on a daily basis. I have no scientific explanation for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many other things that go on in the body on a regular basis that I, that just absolutely mystify me. Mm-hmm. Um, and are incredible. Um, that I, there's no other type of science I can imagine doing besides nursing mm-hmm. um and it's it is truly an art and a science there's no science to you know adjusting somebody's blood thinners it's an art or adjusting somebody's insulin to manage their their blood sugar control it is an it's absolutely an art mm-hmm. um and you know in the human body which of course I mean, depending on your incarnational stance, which we'll get to, <laughs> it's an enfleshed soul um, mm. is, is where I see God the most. And I think that is where I have wanted to continue asking the questions and to continue pursuing theology because I, I see what humans do to each other and what we don't do to each other, how we interact with each other, and where the source of human flourishing is. Or is not. And I think that's probably what drives my continuing search for theology. And then the wholeness that I experience in theological community, I think also drove me, like pulled me, pushed, well, really pushed me, persistent tap on my left shoulder um, that I felt really since I was 16 um, into divinity school, into theological study. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. You're welcome. Thanks again to Caroline for sharing your story with us today. As I mentioned earlier, Caroline has played a big role in my faith journey and mending my relationship with the church. And I'm forever grateful for our relationship and look forward to seeing how our journeys unfold in life as we walk together as sisters in the faith. Next week, Caroline and I discuss incarnation and specifically how working in healthcare and dealing with real bodies and souls informs our theologies and how our theologies can inform the medical practice. Have a great week, everyone, and please take the time to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at theosophiapodcast.com and theologycorner.net. Peace.